It's Black Friday 2022 and welcome to the Bold Artist Podcast where today we're going to talk about monetizing your art, which is something that we all want to learn how to do better. Like who want, who wants to make money from their art, right? Yeah. yeah we all do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. So, um, Charlotte, monetizing our, our, our art has been something that both you and I have some experience in. Mm-hmm. Um, we have both done it and lived the life of making a living off of our art, but we have done it in very unique ways. It's not always exactly how one might think. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, you, we end up piecing together a little from here, a little from there and making the picture of what our art business looks like. And so as we share um, ideas to monetize your art today, some of the ideas on our list are ones that Sharla and I do have experience in. Some of them are ones we wish we had more experience in. And others are just really great ideas for us to talk about, but it's coming from a wide range of experience here. Mm-hmm. So, um, Charlotte, what are some of your initial thoughts? And I'd love to just dive right into the list of ways we can monetize our art and how to do that. Yeah, I want to dive in as quick as we can, because it's it can probably with our experience and even just our friends and people that we know and their experiences, we could have a really long podcast on that. Mm-hmm. But I think that monetizing your art is, um, I don't think it's as stigmatized of a word as it used to be making money off of your art. We were just talking about being what it means to be a sellout in our previous podcast. Mm-hmm. But I think that there was a time where it was not words that people wanted to be strung together in one sentence, but culture has changed. Society has changed. Social media has changed all of that. And I think people People are much more interested in finding ways to make money off of their art. And it's not because you just want to get rich and use your art and sell it however you can. We want, we, I, th- I think the message is that art is important. Art is um, an important part of the world. People are good at it and people want to have it in their lives. And there's more ways to, uh, that your art is important and can affect and impact the world than even just simply hanging a painting on a wall. There's other ways that your art can impact the world. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's important to not just look at one way because even as a very successful, uh, fine artist, who's maybe representing galleries around the world and has sold out solo shows, you can still use your art in other ways you you can make money off of it but even more so than that the more your art travels the more it gets out there the more people can see it and be impacted by it so it's not even just about making money but it's about allowing your art to yes. have a bigger reach and that's one thing that i know charlotte comes back to time and time again as the founder of bold school is your art having purpose and a message And that's one big thing we believe here at Bold School, which you can find out and learn more about us at boldschool.com and the classes that we teach online, but your art having a message. So basically one of the ways we can look at this is that as you create products and services related to your art to monetize it, you are sending your art out there into the world to make Mm -hmm. a bigger impact, which is really fun. So fun and important, I should say. Um, But just to start it off, Sharla, I know that you have a list that you can speak to, but I'll just make it personal here for a second. Um, as many of you know, I come from an illustrative background. And so a lot of the products, I'm going to call them products (laughs) that I make from, um, from my art 
tend to be in a form of prints. And one that has gone really well for me has been cards. And um, so I can really speak to the whole topic of turning your art into cards and, and avenues in which you can sell your, your art as cards. Uh, I've taken both approaches where I've sold online. Uh, my cards have been available online, but also um, one avenue has really been just as simple as it sounds in my local gift shops. And I've found that my local gift shops have been an amazing avenue of selling my, my art cards, my illustrative work that way that a lot of artists don't really stop to think we're really trained to think about online marketing, mm -hmm. but our local community where someone mm -hmm. can go in and experience a shop and pick up something that's tangible. We really need to be careful not to discount that as being a really like viable way to market your artwork. Yeah. I think when we're talking through the list, now some parts of the list definitely work better online. Some work better locally, mm -hmm. but always think, I think you've made a great point. Always think local and think online and how you can do both, like how you can try both of mm -hmm. those things um, and, and see which works, but sometimes local works because uh, communities love to support people who live in them. They mm -hmm. love to know that you live here and you're making a living here, especially in the arts. I think that most mm -hmm. communities support the arts. And sometimes you can find your niche in your community. And I mean, I think there's something beautiful about the fact that you don't have to go on social media and try to sell yourself mm -hmm. because social media has got a lot of places in our lives and it can be really stressful to figure out how to make it work. So if you can find a local niche, I think yes. there's, I think for some people that is their, their dream. So never discount that even in today's world. It's right. Well, exists. there's a marketing, uh, I don't want to cross the conversation over too far into marketing, but yeah. there's a little tidbit I'll throw in here that there is a marketing principle where they say um, red water versus blue water. And what that means is that if, if you're swimming in the ocean and you're with like a school of sharks that are all like attacking each other, it's red water. Like there's just too much of a market there that they say swim to where there's blue water, like no sharks, no one is hacking. And like, I don't know if I'm painting a, a good picture <laughs> here, but they say, go to where it there's good blue picture. water. And for me, and, and what that means is go to where you have an open market, where your work yeah. shines and you're not fighting for attention, which that can often be the internet as much as, as um, I am an advocate of online sales. And I think it's an excellent skill that we learn how to sell and market online. But I found that there was some beautiful blue water for me as an illustrator right in my local community. I have a couple of really beautiful, strong, supportive gift shops that love me and they love my work and they sell a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that I don't have to be online with that strong online presence to, to sell my cards. And so it's a suggestion for artists to consider where there's blue water for you, a place that you're loved, uh, that you can sell in person, if that's a, a good avenue for you. But let's dive further into the list, Charla, of ways we can monetize our art 
Yeah. And while we're talking, um, think about ways that you can even use several of these streams, because I think it's a business principle that if you can be making money from more than one place, it's less um, dependent on that one way to make money. And, you know, if you have one job and you go there every day and you lose that job, you suddenly have no way to make money. It's the same with art. Like there might be one stream that works the best for you and you're going to put your effort in. But we have the opportunity as artists, I think we have a unique opportunity above a lot of other people in the world to make money along different streams. So then when one ebbs and flows and goes down, maybe another will come up yes. or you at least have still some support coming in. And artists, we have times of struggle and times where things aren't going particularly well. So several streams are, are really, really good. Yes. And I can speak to that as well, because I, I have always relied on several streams and, um, and, and I guess we should be clear that we're talking about streams of income where yes. you don't just rely. I don't only rely on my art cards to sell, to make that income. I have several streams, but one thing that as we go into talking about ways to monetize our, our art, one thing we really have to bear in mind is that streams to maintain a stream actually takes work. So sometimes we have this, this thought like, oh, if I, I'm just going to use this as an, this is purely an example, but we'll have this idea like, oh, if I put my cards on an Etsy shop, it'll become my income stream or an income stream income. <laughs> but to actually learn the art and process of selling on Etsy and marketing yourself on a, on a, a platform like that takes dedicated focus thought, time, and work. And eventually, as you pick a pace, that stream may run a little more passively or become like a free-flowing stream. But to, to create a stream, and if we even think of it practically, like if you're going to dig a man-made stream for yourself, you're going to get out the shovel and start to dig and work. And so I have been very careful in my art career to not just take ideas from people like, oh, you should have this stream of income and think that it's going to be without its work. I like analyze the decision ahead of time and say, am I actually willing to work for that stream? And does it align to my characters and what I want to do? So some mm -hmm. of the ideas that we're going to put out here today might not align to you at all. They, they might not sound like a fun way to make your yeah. work. And I'll, I'll throw this one more example out there. One of the artists that we, um, we interviewed here on the bold artist podcast last year actually has, um, she, she's branched out to where her art is on different kinds of unique home products. One is including pillows. And if you follow her Instagram, you probably think, wow, she's done so well. She sells so many pillows, but I can guarantee you that behind the scenes, She's worked very, very hard and strategically to market her pillows. It's not just an instant stream. <laughs> you put your art on a pillow and it will sell. <laughs> yeah, you don't just put your art on a pillow and it will sell. You have to be intentional and choose your stream wisely mm -hmm. and according to where you want to put your energy. Yeah. That's my little tidbit. So let's <laughs> dive into the list. Yeah. I think it requires business sense, right? Like yeah. you're, I think artists, it's one thing that we kind of don't think about as an artist, but I think however you're going to do your art, if it's not going to just be a hobby that you do on your own, your studio, if you ever want it to be seen, 
if you ever want to make money off of it, it is going to require you to run a business Mm -hmm. to some level and to some degree degree. So learning business in, in the art world and in the online world is really, really important. So I think you spoke to like the stamina that takes to get everything up and running Mm -hmm. and the business sense that that takes. So all of this has that underlying story of you're going to have to put yourself out there and you're going to have to build up these things. They're not going to happen overnight or instantly. Yeah. You'll have to be patient. Yeah. You'll have to be patient and work for these dreams, but it's worth it. And so let's start, um, Charlotte, what are some of the dreams here? I think one of the maybe I might jump to say this and and get in trouble, but I think one of the easiest ways to make money off of your art, depending on if this is your thing or not, Mary Janelle is an illustrator. I'm a graphic artist. These are ways that we have taken our art into the world as either working for a company or becoming a freelancer with your illustration, with your graphic art. I worked for a company straight out of school for about three years where I did web design, graphic art, it morphed into like video editing, uh, photography. You know, I did all of that working for a company, like as an employee of a company. Mm-hmm. And then I quickly um, started freelancing. Like I was freelancing as a photographer on the weekends and I was loving that. So I gradually morphed into uh, photography full-time working for myself. That's kind of how I really mm-hmm. became an entrepreneur or whatever you might've wanted to call that at the time. So so you may have the type of skills that you can actually go out and get a job and, or go to school and get a little, build those skills. Like I went to school to learn graphic design, web design, and I built some of those skills up and then I could actually get a job. And I, that was a great way for me when I was 23 to kind of begin my life and be able to pay my bills. And I had a car and an apartment and I even had a leather couch, you know, I was living the life. <laughs> yeah. And then I think I, you still have that leather couch, Charlotte. I, I, well, <laughs> Is it, it the same like one, the same, the same old leather couch that you have in your studio with some paint on it? <laughs> no, that story. I know it looks bad, that couch, but <laughs> we can talk about that another one. day. <laughs> that couch. Yeah. He has a story, but not much of a history. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So anyways, I, I, so I, you know, I built some skills, I got a job and I did what I love to do. And I did visual arts and I made money off of visual arts and I became a freelancer and I started my own photography business. I think that's a way it's, it's a huge, um, overlooked area. There's tons of freelancers out there, mm-hmm. but I think many artists don't think of it. Don't think of that as an option. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, if, especially if you're young and you want to go to school or you're maybe looking for a career change and you want to go back to school, it's one of the, a really good skill to learn in today's world where we're mm-hmm. online and we're tech right. and there's places like Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com mm-hmm. where you can actually put your freelance services on there and just get hired um, to do freelance work. And there's all levels. Bold School actually uses Fiverr. We just kind of came into it recently. I think it's just such an incredible service. Mm-hmm. But as an artist, you can go on there and sell your services. And you can do that on the side if you've got a day job elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of a great place to start when it comes to monetizing your art and needing to make money so you can pay your bills and not be stressed about selling your fine art. Right. Okay. Um, Yeah. So then of course, sell your original work. Mm -hmm. I'm a painter. Mary Janelle is also a painter, but also an illustrator. 
and we make original work from our from the depths of our heart yeah <laughs> and our dream i think that we're lying to ourselves we wouldn't say our dream is that somebody buys our art and hangs it on their wall that somebody else loves that so much and is impacted by our work that they buy it and yeah. we exchange our art for their money my husband always tells it to the kids you're just trading you're trading you're changing trading mm -hmm. the money in your bank for something that you actually want mm -hmm. um and you know i think that's that's a dream and you can run your career as a, an artist who sells original work Yes. Now I'll, um, I'll speak to selling original work a little, the one, the, uh, medium that I have the most experience in selling original work would actually be my clay sculpture. And that's the, the, uh, field I was in where I would sell in galleries and I would sell sculptural work in several of the BC galleries. It was a dreamy time. I'm not in that season of life right now, but it was a dreamy time where, you know, I had set the benchmark in my mind that when I, when my sculptures sell for hundreds of dollars, I'll have arrived <laughs> and I accomplished that goal. But what I found was that even though I had that income stream, and even though I had reached that benchmark, it wasn't necessarily enough to be my entire livelihood as you can imagine, sculptures selling in galleries, it can be slow and there's slow times. And I found that I needed the other streams to fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. And and also, uh, I don't mean to make it sound like it was boring to only do that, but you know, you make a sculptural piece, you send it off to a gallery. Well, what then? Like I needed a little bit more like interaction and interest. And so all of the other ideas added to that made the art career so much more spicy and alive. Mm -hmm. So um, selling original work is so important, but I'm not of the mind, like at least for a personality like mine, that it's the only thing that feels satisfactory. I needed, I needed more interest than that. Yeah. And I agree. I, I think that's kind of why both of us are where we're at because we we've sought after so many different things in our lives. Mm -hmm. I think no matter how much, uh, when painting was really my full-time gig, I guess you could yeah. say, I still craved, um, making photography. I still loved photographing my work and putting it on social media mm -hmm. in creative ways. And I still loved doing graphic design. And if a friend needed work, I was always there to jump on it. And I was, and I started recognizing that I'm still craving these other mm -hmm. outlets. Um, but I think, so to sell your original work, I think the go-to is to get gallery representation and that's uh, an entire business model. It's, there's books written about it. Uh, we won't go into details of how to get gallery representation. It's not always uh, flowers and rainbows. It's exciting. And I think gallery representation can be a lot of fun and it's a great way to get your work out into the world, but it comes with a lot of work as well. Most galleries will want you to give them a collection They'll want to come and choose 10, 20, 30 pieces to take to their gallery. So you actually have to produce a ton of work to give to them and hope within the next year or two, it sells. You don't always get shows with you when you're represented. Sometimes you get shows and sometimes you don't. You know, there's so many different things that comes with that. Um, I think a lot of people who live on gallery representation are represented by a lot of different galleries, sometimes across the country. Um, and so there's a lot of work involved in creating art for all of those galleries. Right. And then sometimes there's clauses where you can't compete 
in different areas. If you're going to shows, if you want to go to your own show or your own fair, like an art fair, you have to be, you have to consider the galleries um, that represent you. So there's a lot to gallery representation. It's a complete business model that you need to learn and understand um, not before you start the process, I would say dive in if you want to start. There's lots of books written about it mm-hmm. um, and people you can ask that are knowledgeable. Uh, but consider that it's not just simply I make art and now a gallery is going to represent me. It's not right. quite that easy. Yeah. And gallery representation isn't the only way to, to consistently sell original work. Mm-hmm. I've seen the model where it does sell online quite well, but I've also seen the dedication and time that those artists are putting into marketing online and showing up every day and having their presence and their artwork Mm -hmm. always being fresh and new and interesting online. And so like we said in the beginning, no matter what streams of income of monetizing that you're choosing, there's going to be work involved. So then it leads us to the next one on our list. Um, And I'm motoring along, Charla, because our list's actually kind of (laughs) long. Yeah, well, actually, I don't want to go to the next one because we have the same list in front of us. I want to jump to art fairs because it's actually a way to sell your original work. Okay. So I think it kind of goes with that in that um, I I tried gallery representation. I was represented for a little while, a lot. I put a ton of work in. I didn't get what I wanted back from it. I don't have a lot of experience with gallery representation. So what I ended up doing, which worked for me and kind of why I stopped looking at gallery representation was selling at art fairs. And we live, uh, both Mary and I live in the Okanagan uh, region in British Columbia, Canada. It's a very small area, but one thing we have is an art fair each year that's called Art Walk, and it just happened last weekend, and it was one of the ones that a friend told me I should be a part of like 10 years ago when I started, and I did, and I it was just an instant success for me. I would put my work up there, and I would sell I sold every mm-hmm. single weekend. And- yeah, I was seeing a, one of our our friends on social media was there this past weekend and it was completely sold out. So yeah. it, it's really a wonderful avenue for Yeah, there's just something about that particular fair that some people do really well at. And for me, it was really good. I think there was a, there's a lot of artists there, like 150 artists. They, had, they say there's 10,000 people go through or something like that in the run of a weekend. It's fun. I mean, I loved, I love the atmosphere. I loved being there, but my work, I, especially in the very beginning, I was one of the only artists that did portraits in my style. And I think I was unique and there was something there that the people liked and I, and I sold. That's all mm-hmm. I can say. Yeah. It worked so looking for, for something like that in your region and yeah. getting into that kind of art show, art fair, that is marketed yeah. well and yeah and you need to research the fairs there's a lot of different fairs around christmas time in the fall usually is when art local art fairs really pick up you often have to apply if they're juried or curated mm-hmm. um, you have to apply ahead of time to get in sometimes there's a small fee this one i'm talking about we would pay like 200 dollars, and that was it and then we 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 sold the work and we made the money off the work other fairs aren't like that. Each one will have their own rules around the, their fees, their their booth prices, their fees, their commissions, stuff like that. So you want to look at all of those options. Holiday fairs are a little different. Holiday fairs, um, like I used to bring cards, card packs and book art books to holiday fairs, kind of what Mary Janelle was talking about. 
and that sells really well, like around Christmas mm-hmm. time, you know, having give, having art that's priced for gifting those mm-hmm. types of things. And you got to think about the market you're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, then as far as art fairs, I have very little experience, but between me and a couple of friends, we've gone to some of the really large art fairs where a booth can cost uh, $2,000, $4,000, mm-hmm. I mean, in New York, I think you can- I accompanied you during one of those big you fairs. Did. Yeah. And, and my one experience with those big fairs was I spent a whole ton of money, had to leave town for the weekend. Mary Janelle came. I went with another friend. And I sold one painting and it mm. I didn't cover even a quarter of the cost of that. No. Weekend. So if you are looking at it, like recouping the cost of that expense right at the fair, sometimes those, uh, those kind of investments are like, they're difficult because you don't always recoup that investment right then. But right, I know that yeah. I, I was with you. And so I know that you were looking long-term, mm-hmm. like you were looking at it, like, yes, this was a big investment, but my name is out there now. I sold a painting to a collector and I'm going to ride out, you know, this expense in, in the course of my career. Yeah. Um, so you and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, very memorable. And actually at times we've talked about it being like, uh, one of the ways that we developed the foundation of our relationship and friendship that w- of what we're doing in bold school. Yeah. So it was, it, everything has meaning and purpose in, in that kind of way. But one thing I'm just like kind of throwing in here is that if you're going out to these fairs, these events, and you're paying for a booth, and then you, you're discouraged because you're not recuperating your, your investment right away. Um, sometimes we have to look at these things as long-term. Mm-hmm. So um, go in with the mindset, like you don't always make it back right away. Um, yeah. But these other ways, these other avenues of income streams can help to offset some of those costs. So we okay. have other things on our list, Charlo. We have, I'll just say a few, and then you can come to the one that like sort of strikes the chord, but we have Um, Everything from selling prints, selling items like cards and books. Um, We have having online like shops between Instagram, Etsy, um, you know, those sort of things. So what are what's something there that you'd like to speak to as far as um, these ways of monetizing our art? Well, I think with some of the online shops like Etsy and Instagram, I mean, it always depends on the type of art that you do and that you sell. For me, I paint paintings. Um, so you can sell your original work, but they don't always, um, they're not, that's not usually how best to use some of those tools. Mm-hmm. Prints is a, is a thing that actually is really good for online sales. One reason is because you usually sell prints at lower costs than original work. And there's people look at a print differently than original work. So they think they feel like it's more attainable. You want to be an art collector, but you can't quite afford to spend lots of money on lots of original work. So people look to print sales, uh, which you can offer in different sizes at different price points and can often be a place to, to make more money. Um, now with prints, there's several different business models. You can sell your prints like on art cards, on pillows, um, on canvas, on paper, you could frame them. And you can even have, on canvas, you can uh, have your prints on canvas. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of different models there and a lot of different ways that you can make that work. Um, and 
I mean, to some degree, the lower the price point of some of these things, the more you can sell, or maybe the more often you could sell, sell them. So there's this business model, if you're going in that direction, where you can actually make more money because you're selling cheaper, a cheaper or yeah, you're selling quantity, quantity at a lower cost versus a higher cost and perhaps less of of yeah. yeah. And then there's also the business model or a lot of people want to stay kind of in that fine art realm. So instead of uh, having every, your, your work printed on all of these things and selling prints of all different sizes, some people will stay within the fine art realm where they only print on canvas, you know, so that, so that it's an, a limited edition signed print on canvas. They only sell it stretched already or framed already. And then they have a limited edition of 50, 100 of each. So there's still a lot of value within what you're selling. Mm. And oftentimes that type of a model will um, make your original work even more valuable because your limited prints are out into the world. And then there's only one person that can own that original So that business model can um, work very differently and work for you, depending on your style and what you really want, how you want your art to be viewed. And if you're in a gallery representation uh, world, they often aren't going to want you putting your stuff on cards and books and pillows. They're just, Mm -hmm. this isn't always the case because the world changes, but you got to look at the models and, and think about where you want to be, what your brand is. Uh, what your future goals are, those kinds of things. But there's so many options and it's worth trying because you might be somebody who makes a lot of money off of printing art on your pillows. Mm -hmm. And why would you sit around waiting for gallery representation if you can do exactly what you want to do with pillows? So try it and think about it. Don't discount those things, right? So Etsy shops and Instagram shops, they all work in those kinds of realms. What about the income stream of licensing your art? Now that's one I'm not super familiar with. Um, I think we've had some people on the podcast that have done that. One thing that I have had a little bit of uh, experience with, very, very little experience with, but it opened my eyes up to it, was I was asked to have my art on a movie set. And in the end, it didn't work out. And it's a bit of a long drawn out story. Um, But it was really interesting because I didn't go after that. And these guys messaged me and it was a fairly big production company. They had movies on Amazon that I had watched before. And I was, this is really cool. You know, this is fun. Mm -hmm. But well, I guess the reason it didn't work out was because the piece they wanted was an older piece that was sold. And I didn't have a high quality scan of that piece to send them. And I was scared that they'd get it and it would be crap. And I'd you know, then they would be upset with me. So I just said, you know, I, I just can't. Well, that's that. a real live and learn lesson there to keep a high quality. So disappointing. Work. Yeah. Because yeah. I do that with my work now, but this piece, I just didn't do it. Um, So that was sad. But then we have a mutual friend that has is in the process right now of that happening for her. She was contacted very similar situation. And I think she's going through with it. So if that happens oh. and when her movie comes out, we'll have to talk about that on the podcast. That's exciting. really fun, right? Yes. It's really fun. And it could possibly not saying that someone like you probably have a dream that a movie star is going to see your art and now you're going to make it big. Cause they're going to talk about you on their Instagram. That's probably not going to happen, but it might, if it does yeah. let us know. 
but what will and happen be ready for it. Make sure you have your website yes. and all your ducks be in a row ready. so that you're ready for the fame when it happens. <laughs> yeah. Make sure that you're available. So when the movie launches, they can find you. Yeah. But what could happen is that could just be a whole other stream of work. Maybe you get contacted by other production companies for other movies and your work gets shown mm-hmm. all around. And then the more wider your work is out there, you never know the opportunities that might come and who's on the sets that could see the work. You know, there's just... Yeah so many places it could go. And that's what I like to think of. Yes. Um, so that's just a fun little. And on the list here, we have, don't forget that income streams are also from things like connecting with other local artists, sharing audiences, collaborating online, which we have entire podcasts dedicated to those topics that, so just look back in our playlist, but it brings me to another uh, one here on our list that Charlotte and I both have a lot of experience with. um, And that's sharing your knowledge in the realm of your art. Mm -hmm. And it, it is a way that is, um, a very viable stream of income and one that that is i think very important because here at bold school we we don't have any secrets so when when you come into bold school you learn charla's painting secrets you get mentored by our all of our instructors pu- putting into your life and and your art and and making sure that you grow as an artist and so we have seen the power of sharing our knowledge and believe in it. And some of the ways we do that is through podcasting. So I had, you know, we've, we've shared this before, but um, before I came on as the host of the bold artist podcast, I was podcasting. I even come from a, a bit of a background in doing radio voiceovers and a history in recording studios. And then I was also developing an art career, but I had no idea the two would meet and that, a source of an income stream for me has been podcasting and lo and behold, I'm talking about art. (laughs) Like how beautiful is that? Right? Like what a neat um, convergence of the two stories and public speaking, teaching workshops, demonstrations. These are all ways that Charlotte and I have both seen to be big um, streams for us. Um, And I, you know, even uh, I've talked today a few times about my my pottery season, but I was asked uh, many times to to public speak, not only on pottery itself, but on what I learned in life through working with clay, um, because it's a very transformative, transformative subject in itself. Mm-hmm. And so there have been these really unique opportunities that I get paid for, that Charlotte gets paid for, that have to do with sharing knowledge. Mm -hmm. So never discount your knowledge as being a way that as an artist, you can um, monetize. Yeah, I think there's a lot of deep places and future podcasts we can go with that with because because with it comes the idea of becoming a mentor in other people's lives, Yeah, which I think is one of the most valuable things you can do in your whole life, whether you get paid for it or not, is to mentor and share your experiences and your knowledge, like not make stuff up, Mm -hmm. but what you've experienced and what you've done. And there's no doubt in your life, no matter how old you are, that you have wisdom and knowledge and experiences in places that other people can use your (laughs) wisdom. For me, this kind of developed, I was a believer in that, but it kind of developed with my work, um, showing my work in art fairs because, and I would sell at these fairs and it was always a great experience and, and 
it built me up as an artist. And I, I recognize that people wanted my work. But also what was happening was at art fairs is that other artists come to see the work, right? We all want to go see other people's work and see what people are doing and, and meet and collaborate and whatever network, whatever the right word is. And so all these artists were coming through. And I, at first I used to think like, go away. I don't want to talk to starving artists. I want to talk to collectors, <laughs> but it was more fun to talk to starving artists or non-starving <laughs> artists and discuss the art. They were interested, you know, they were wanting to know about technique and paint and, and they could talk in depth about the work. And I loved talking with the artists. And then what came from that is that they wanted to know how I did it. And from that, I got invited to teach workshops and to do demonstrations. Every single time I did a show, I was invited to do those kinds of things. So then I started developing how to teach my process and my style and all of mm -hmm. that kind of morphed out of that. And from there grew Bold School, yeah. which has been uh, one of the most incredible parts of my life in in my in personal journey in my art journey and in my teaching journey and in my business journey um, I mean in, in many many ways right yeah. so all of that kind of morphed to like you said all of it kind of found its place and it all came together into what we're doing today mm -hmm. but I think sharing your knowledge is not just a way to monetize your art but also a way to just find a lot of fulfillment mm -hmm. in what you're doing mm -hmm. and whether you're um, an introvert who loves spending time in the studio and can't stand the thought of leaving or not mm -hmm. I think that you will enjoy and find fulfillment in sharing the knowledge that you have in teaching and and even just talking like we're talking today yeah so yeah. just to give a real quick recap of ways to monetize your art We've got looking into freelance, making sure to sell original work, like gallery representation and online representation, selling prints, um, options to print, selling other things like cards, pillows, items with your artwork, selling at fairs, Instagram shopping, Etsy store, commissions, licensing your art, like the example Charlotte gave of movie set examples, connecting with other local artists, sharing audiences, collaborating online and sharing your knowledge, which sums up what we've shared today as just a few of the <laughs> yeah. streams, just a few. Not and expensive. and there, some of them, Charlotte and I have experience in, others are great ideas that might suit you and your style, remembering that it always takes work and effort and diligence to grow any of those streams. In closing, Sharla, I know we need to wrap up the show, but I was wondering if you would just entertain us for a moment and share with us a little bit about, so I know we're, you know, we're already way into the autumn here um, in November, but this past summer, you lived out a little bit of a dream by visiting a gallery of one of your um, very favorite artists, and you got to see firsthand how his business and world and gallery like how it was all working and you had an experience there. Can you just give us a quick glimpse inside of that experience? Yeah. And I think it's, it's totally relevant. So let me just tell the story. I, 
Um, there's an artist from, I'm from Newfoundland, which is a, a an island off of the East coast of Canada, which is fairly unknown, even by Canadians. It, everyone <laughs> looks at it as far away and isolated. And, just, and- just to, to throw in something amusing here. When I, when I interviewed an artist from Newfoundland, Charla made me practice the word Newfoundland like 50 <laughs> times so that I would pronounce it correctly. So she's very protective of Newfoundland and how it's, Am I even saying it correctly? Yeah, you're saying (laughs) it right. Most people will say Newfoundland. Newfoundland. That's how it's it's Newfoundland. Yes. Uh, Yeah, and it's it only became. I mean, there's a whole history, of course, but it only became part of Canada in 1949, and it's just kind of always been. It always feels like it's not a part of Canada, and and us Newfoundlanders look at ourselves as Newfoundlanders before we look at ourselves as Canadians. So there's a whole like series of podcasts around the history of Newfoundland. Um, So anyways, it's very isolated. Its culture is very different from Canada and it's my homeland and I love it. And so I went home this year and there's an artist there that has gained fame and popularity and his name is Adam Young. And we had him on the podcast last year and it's an excellent podcast, totally worth listening. And his, his work is, is amazing. Like he's just talented in so many different ways and Newfoundlanders love to love their own. So he has just been, the word of him has spread far and wide because he's good. And when there's somebody good, Newfoundland lets its people know. So, um, he, he, however, he's not even from Newfoundland. He's from, um, the mainland (laughs) and he married a girl from Newfoundland and they live in on Fogo Island. So Newfoundland is a small isolated island off the coast of Canada. Well, Fogo Island is an even smaller island, even further off the coast off of Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's fairly it's in, remote. It's, it's remote. Oh, like you yes. you have to be very intentional to seek it's out Fogo remote. Island. Yeah. Definitely. So we're in Newfoundland and we have to take a ferry and we go over to this little place. And these little tiny outports, they're so tiny on this tiny little island and these tiny little houses and these tiny little villages. <laughs> the world of tiny. <laughs> yeah. And this is where Adam Young lives. His work is phenomenal and he's well known and he is running a thriving art business in an isolated town in an isolated island already off of an isolated island in Canada you know like it's it's he's not living in New York downtown New York where you feel like is where you could you could sell your Mm -hmm. art and and thrive easily and so I went to visit because we were going there and I visited his studio um which and saw his work and it was beautiful and we met for the first time like in in person and he he we toured the studio and the kids thought they had met like the king or something and they were so excited to meet a celebrity um (laughs) and we had a lot of fun it was wonderful and as we were leaving he gives us a brochure and he's like this is a map of the the town and all of the artists here and I think there was eight maybe so there's eight artists in this tiny little place called Jobat's Arm on Fogo Island and each artist had their own niche there was a ceramic artist I think there was two quilters I don't I can't remember I didn't get to visit them all of course but they had this little tour that you could now go from gallery they all had their own galleries built you know like that's a dream I don't even have my own gallery and I live in a city and they all have their own little galleries where they they show their work is so beautiful, so professional. Their work is professional. They sell them at professional level pricing. I mean, I was in awe. And I, I came home. We, we bought some of Adam's work and the kids even bought a piece themselves, like a little print, their very first mm. art, you know, 
And we took the ferry and we went back home and I was talking with my family about it, my parents. And my dad's like, Sharla, if Adam Young can do this in Joe Bat's arm, like you should be doing way more than you're doing. I'm like, dad, you're supposed to be proud of me. <laughs> but, but he is was, proud of you, Sharla. <laughs> it was so inspiring in the sense that when you live in a place like that, you think, well, why hope do I have to become great to become big to become successful i don't think adam was trying to become great but to to succeed in your little art form mm -hmm. well these artists and more than adam are making it happen in joe bat's arm which is totally worth the visit if you can go there there's so much more to it than even yeah. what i'm talking about but the art experience in this tiny little outport town on a desolate remote island stunningly beautiful yeah. at the same time they are really doing so much with with their art and um ways to monetize and make a living in this little town it's incredible and so yeah. inspiring we can all do it we can all make it happen we are creative mm -hmm. so use your creativity to figure out where your niche is and what you love to do and and make it happen you know absolutely happen. whether you're remote on fogo island or in the city of Kelowna, <laughs> no matter where you live but what i love about you sharing your experience of going to fogo island and seeing all the galleries and adam young's work is just it brings hope that no matter where you are in the world yeah you can be an artist you can monetize your work you can grow your business and so hopefully this podcast here today on the boulders podcast has inspired you to do that, giving you some ideas to mull over, to think about um, how you can monetize your artwork. You By can next Black Friday, you could be monetizing your artwork and making money a year from now on Black Friday. Yes. And <laughs> make sure to check out Bold School's Black Friday deals. If you're listening to this at the time of Black Friday. There's always um, at least one good one out there. Absolutely. Make sure to look out look out for our deals because we have very special, unique sales around Black Friday. So go to boldschool.com. Find us on Instagram at Bold School Inc. Here on YouTube, we're on the Bold School channel and you can listen to this podcast on all audio apps, including Spotify. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>